You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello, my name's David Frizzell, and this is episode 89 of the Team Guru podcast, where it's all about customer service. How things have changed. I remember the days when we'd pull the family Kingswood into the service station, an attendant would fill it up for us, dad would pay in cash, of course, so he wouldn't even need to get out of his seat. And what about supermarkets? The last few years have seen the rapid spread of self-service checkout facilities and checkoutless retail outlets are being trialled by Amazon as we speak. It's all the long way from my childhood memories of slow checkout operators keying in the price of every item and passing them along to a second member of staff who'd do the bagging. And I could go on and on. We now buy an increasing amount of stuff online. We can fly without ever speaking to a member of staff, and with the introductory of smarter technology, the pursuit of efficiency and cost savings and customer service will just keep picking up pace. So, what's the future of customer service? Will it even matter much longer? Or will there be a renaissance in the human touch and become more important than ever? To answer all these questions and more, I invited Jackie Shamel onto the show. Jackie is a customer service expert and she's been plying her trade all around the world, thinking, talking and advising on how we can get great at customer service now and into the future. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jackie Shamel. Jackie Shamel, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's nice to eventually have you, Jackie. I just want to share with our listeners that we have had a couple of false starts with this. We certainly have. Me and technology, uh, we're becoming better friends. Let's just say that. (laughs) Well, since we first spoke, you've gone through a few different microphones and you know what you're doing with your computer now. I feel like I've kind of done you a favor teaching you a little bit about audio. Yeah, you have actually, and and I can already tell the quality of the sound makes for such a better quality listening for audience uh, members. So, no, thank you for that. <laughs> well, you you do sound really good, and it just so happens, not by design, folks listening along, but we're Jackie and I are now using exactly the same microphone, so you should be getting about the same quality from both of us, even though we're at different sides of the country. Where are you, Jackie? I'm in Brisbane. I'm in Melbourne, cold, chilly uh. Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, look, it's freezing in Brisbane at the moment. I can only imagine how it is in Melbourne. (laughs) All right, now let's get into this. The reason I was so persistent in getting you on the show is because I'm really keen to have this conversation about customer service. It's a bit of a selfish thing. I'm working really closely with a client at the moment that's going through this whole change towards a person-centered way of delivering their services. And it's not, for me, it's not so much about the services, it's about watching this organization change their mindset. So I'm really keen to dive into what that all means. But look, 
First of all, I just want to talk about customer service in 2018 and how that compares to days gone by. And just as importantly, or maybe even more importantly, what customer service is going to look like into the future. Look, we don't need to go over it here, just how much life has changed since you and I started working, since you and I were in primary school. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable our economy, our community, the way we engage with our friends and clients. So everything is changing, changing really quickly. I want to know what sort of identity customer service has all through that change and into the future. Oh, it's such a good place to start. Like it really is changing. And I think here in Australia, mediocre customer service is, is at an all-time high. You know, we're very conditioned to poor service in this country, which is a shame. And I, I think that's why I'm so passionate about the topic yeah. because it, it actually doesn't take much to shift the dial from good service to great service in this day and age. And, yeah. you know, if I reflect on some of your opening statements, we are seeing, particularly in the retail space, a bit of a revolution. So, you know, we no longer have to speak to people when we go to a checkout in a supermarket. We no longer have to go into a shop and be helped by a friendly shop assistant when we buy clothes. In fact, I'm flying out tomorrow to come up to Brisbane and I know I don't need to even speak to anyone when I check in for my flight. Yeah. So this need for speed, convenience, at what cost are we impacting the human connection and the emotional connection, which really is the message that I draw out in my book, that service, the treatment of people is more about how you make people feel and it's less about the best price, the most convenient product, the best product on the shelves, because really that competitive advantage we can all find these days. So, yeah, I think we're moving into a space now, David, where businesses and one like your client that you shared with us are really needing to look more at an accumulative advantage. And what I mean by that is rather than just looking at the value proposition that you offer customers what else are you offering beyond that that might create an emotional connection that sort of draws the customer in? So each time they go to think of buying that particular product, you're the brand that comes first to mind. And this is what creates loyalty and trust over time. And, and all of what we're talking about is, is feelings, emotions, the stuff that us humans are great at. So I want, I want to be really clear on this because that's an interesting point that you make. Differentiating myself as an organization because of the customer service we offer, can that be instead of the best price? Or does it have to be as well as the best price? Because all of the things that you described before about efficiency and productivity, not having to talk to anyone when you check in for your flight tomorrow, is all about the airline being able to offer you the lowest price that they can. Mm. So are you talking about differentiating myself by doing both, by competing on price and upping the game in terms of the quality of the customer service? I think everything's situational and contextual, but I know for me there are certain things where price is less of an issue if I know that I'm going to get treated differently and have a much more positive impact when choosing to go from one brand or one store to another. So, you know, there's certain things where we'll always look for the lowest price and we'll just put up with whatever treatment comes our way. But you know, it's the the service interactions where there's human touch points and let's face it, the, you know, there's still plenty of them out there even though we're seeing this rapid, you know, technolog technological age. But wherever there's human touch points in the customer service journey, 
I think really people know that they're going to find great price, great product, but the point of difference can always be how they were felt, how they were treated and how how they felt in that service interaction. So for me, price isn't always the number one driver. So you you just reminded me of something that really surprised me in your book, actually. It was just a very small mm. thing that you mentioned. We were, you were talking about assisted checkouts in supermarkets. And for a start, I find that such an ironic, almost, um, what's the word, offensive title for these assisted checkouts in one of our supermarket giants. Because isn't it the opposite of that? Mm. Isn't it completely unassisted? And they only come to me if I have trouble with the machine. But anyway, so I find that funny. And I've mentioned that on the podcast before, very insulting that they call them assisted checkouts. But you mentioned in your book that when you finish a day at work, you don't want to go to to a large supermarket and check yourself out. You want that service at the cashier. I was kind of surprised because I, that's one of the things I'm I'm happy to do. If I've only got a handful of items and I'm not trying to roll through a whole trolley, I'm actually pretty happy to scan through those things myself because usually there's no line at the self-service checkout, whereas you kind of suggested you were happy to stand in line and get that human interaction. Yeah, I feel that I don't want to go and do more work when I go to a supermarket. I just, yeah. I'd rather go and have that quick little interaction and and have yeah. someone pack my bags and, and so forth. And that's a whole other conversation, right, with the whole plastic bag saga. But I, I have read, I have done some research and I am aware that the younger generations and certainly the more educated, we tend to like the self-service options because we can navigate around it pretty quickly and it's fairly mm. quick and convenient. I've observed yeah. on countless times, though, people that are, you know, a lot older and they just won't go mm. near it. They won't yeah. trust it. They don't know what to do. And yeah. they're looking forward to having perhaps that one or two interactions that they might not have for the rest of the day. So so are you happy to line up a bit longer to, to avoid having to do yeah, that? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I'm happy to line up if I've got a trolley load because putting a trolley through those things is a nightmare. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Hey, I've got another story <laughs> for you. Reminded me of something else. I just last Friday, I went for – Di- birthday dinner with a f- for a friend here in Brisbane. Anyone in Brisbane will know the the large sort of meat place, the large meat sporty bar restaurant at the Indrapilly Shopping Centre. There was tell 12, 15 guys there. It was all guys, all having a meal, you know, $30, $40 meal, buying lots of drinks. And the service we got from these people at this pl- establishment was as if we were intruding on their privacy. It was so rude. You know, the, you mentioned bad service here in Australia, and actually a mate and I commented, if this was in the US, you wouldn't be able to get the waiters and waitresses away. They would be all over us doing everything they could for us for that tiny little tip, whereas the service that we received at this place, like I said, it was as if we were intruding on them. They didn't. They almost literally didn't want us there. It was quite amazing, the level of rudeness. I just made this comment hospitality doesn't come naturally to that guy, does it? And everyone kind of just laughed because they'd all had the same experience with the same guy. Is Australia really that bad? Have I just picked out an isolated incident or do we in Australia do customer service really badly? We do it badly. My my view is, look, I've found some brilliant little pockets across different sectors and industries and there are some great organisations out there doing some really good things. I find that 
more often though, David, we do get disappointed in this country. And, you know, it's a mindset. You know, these employees, whatever's going on for them in that moment that makes you feel like you're a burden or you're interrupting an important conversation that they're having with another employee. Yeah. It really is a mindset. And I think one of the things, I'll try and explain this simply, is that a lot of staff look at customers separate to themselves. So they see them all almost as a task. Yeah. Whereas something I always try and encourage teams to look at when we're in workshops and having conversations like the one we're having today is let's replace the word customer with human. Mm. And now how does that feel? How would yeah. you, yeah, how would you treat those several humans that came in for a birthday dinner who really, they're just like you. They want the same things. Would you treat them the way you just treated them because they're a customer? Yeah, that's a really, that's simple, isn't it? But so very simple. effective. Yeah. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. All right, now we're going to get, you've in your book talked about the six mindsets for customer service, which are really good. They're just like that tip then. They're really simple, they resonate, and they make sense as a package. Before we get there though, can you talk a little more about what we can expect customer service to look like into the future as the world goes wild with whatever technology is coming our way? And I'm all about virtual reality goggles at the moment, Jackie. That's my new craze that I've decided is super cool. What can we expect from the future? Is it just going to fade away to the point where I barely talk to another human being when I'm handing over my money anywhere? Or is there going to be somewhat of a renaissance of customer service as organizations realize that, yeah, low prices are good, efficiency is good, but we're still serving humans and they want some kind of interaction. Is there going to be a renaissance or you just keep going down this path? This is the conversation that a lot of companies are grappling with at the moment. I would love to think there's going to be a renaissance. I certainly feel, you know, if you think about the way the world is moving, there is certainly a huge awareness and understanding of how important social connection is for human beings and that sense of belonging and the social interactions that we have on a day-to-day. And loneliness is a huge health epidemic now in society. In fact, it's more deadly than obesity. So there's a- I read an, that. That's yeah. amazing to me. That's an amazing stat. It is. No, no, it's incredible. It's why I bring it up because it's it just goes to show there are people, even in this country, who don't speak to people, neighbours, friends, family, over a week, you know? And so yeah. I think when we look at the way society is moving towards that social connection and belonging- and this desire for speed, efficiency, I, I think what the future ideally should look like, and I hope that we work this out as time goes on, is that there is some harmony between the human interactions and the digital side of life, the automation, the robots. So look at look at McDonald's, for example. They had projected by the end of last year to have installed across 2,500 McDonald's restaurants in the US complete kiosk self-service restaurants. However- So no humans working there at all? Well, no, they had they had humans working there, but not in the traditional sense. So a right. lot of the production line was replaced by automation, but a lot of the service, the, you know, the six steps of service and everything that I was taught as a young girl at Macca's was now replaced by a robot. And they've right. brought in human service roles 
in what they're calling concierge roles. So these right, concierge okay. roles are people that are there to clearly swan around the dining room, make people feel welcomed, you know. Like a maitre d'. Yeah, a maitre d' and a little right. bit of banter. And so right. I think what we're going to see is that the <laughs> <Okay. laughs> – yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's that cool. doesn't scare me away. No. So I think the future for us in terms of services will probably see a lot of roles be reinvented what I'm really passionate about is those roles that will be reinvented because technology's taken over those sort of task, you know, menial type processes that humans do currently. Those human roles are going to require the qualities of us human beings to be really amplified. So things like social intelligence, problem solving, creative thinking, empathy, stuff that we only humans can do. And this is my concern and I guess why I've I've loved speaking with people like yourself is that we're losing our ability to connect in some places and we, we can't lose those very qualities that make us uniquely human. So, you know, you almost paint a picture where there was a bit more of a connection if you were to go into a McDonald's restaurant of the future because at the moment I don't really connect with the person who serves me on the counter, not that I eat at McDonald's very often, but <laughs> Because they're just busy doing their thing. But if they're if they're all replaced with robots and McDonald's decide that they'll they'll pay one person to swan around making connections with the customers, you would almost get more out of that as a customer. Well, I so, hope so. Yeah. So what you're saying is that yes, a lot of our jobs will be replaced by robots. I mean, we you know I've just stated the most obvious fact in the world. We're all aware of that, mm. but at these these beautiful points at which we do still want human interaction. We might have specialists in that, people who are just there to be human interactors. That actually paints a fairly rosy picture of the future. It sure does. And I think we overcomplicate this stuff. It's really simple. It's the stuff that we all learn when we're five years old, you know, kindness, curiosity, pay your attention out. But I, I truly believe that half of our problem, particularly here in Australia, is not that we don't know how to serve. It's just that we've forgotten and we need to be reminded and, and, and we need to wake up and realise that if you're going to employ, and let's face it, labour in this country is expensive. If you're going to employ staff to be in those human touch points of a customer journey, then make sure Get they are- humans. Absolutely. Make sure they're doing the best the job, not like your bloke at the, at the restaurant the other night. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. I, I mean, I, I wish I had a mirror. I could hold it up to him and say, mate, you realise this is how you're acting? Yeah. Great. And, and it was early in the night. It's not as if- my friends were, were, were making drunken fools of themselves. They were all old men, you know, just you know, waiting to go home back to the kids. Yeah, it was very it was very quiet. But anyway, I'm harping on that a little bit. Hey, um, you've as I said, you've carved out six really important mindsets for customer service. Let's go through those six now because, as I said earlier, they're, they're lovely, they're simple, and they make sense as a package. So take it away, Jackie. Talk us through it, and I will just interrupt and talk yeah, over sure. you when I feel like it. So the first is empathy. And I think this everything needs to start with empathy. And, you know, like your friend at the restaurant the other night, empathy is about staff standing in the shoes of a customer and seeing things through their eyes. But this takes people to be present and switched on. You know, when we're too busy thinking in our heads and too busy worrying about, you know, when our next break is going to be, we do tend to show up and be more transactional. So empathy, as simple as it sounds, is where we do all the all the heavy lifting to begin. And what we get as a customer when someone brings empathy to an interaction is we we often get rapid rapport. Empathy is about reading someone's nonverbal cues and 
and working with those emotions that you're sort of reading and and that that are showing up and using that as sort of clues and cues to to guide a conversation. Yeah, that's great. There's actually a bit I want to say about the empathy one, Jackie, because mm. it's important that we understand that empathy is actually a bit of a dynamic beast. There's a few things going on there. We all know the whole walking in someone's shoes thing, but you can think about empathy being in two types, that affective empathy and the cognitive empathy. Affective empathy is when we we look at a situation and we think about it, if I were in their shoes, this is what I would want. We're sort of feeling it. Whereas cognitive empathy is a little bit of a higher level empathy, which allows us to empathize with people in situations that we've never been in. So let's say I'm a human service provider and I'm I'm serving people who were in a, a situation in life that I've never been in and probably will never be in because they're struggling. They might be homeless. They might be, have an addiction problem. They might have this or that. I still need to be able to empathize with them in order to provide them with a quality human service. And if I can only empathize with things that I've experienced, then that's good. That's better than no empathy at all. But it's not as good as having that cognitive level of empathy. There's been so many debates in politics over the last few years. Let's say gay marriage federally. Let's say euthanasia in Victoria, where I heard politicians who used to campaign against it stand in parliament and say, you know what, I'm for it now. And they tell their story why they're for it. It might be that their staffer is gay and they've seen life through his eyes, or it might be that their mother had a terminal illness and they watched her suffer greatly. So now I'm in favor of euthanasia. And I think to myself, that's great, but you know what? You're telling me that it was only when it happened to you or someone you cared about that you're now in favor of making this change. Before it ex- you experienced it directly, you were incapable of having cognitive empathy. And I found that really sad from our representatives in parliament who are who are voting on laws for us. Yeah, it's you make such a good point. What I refer to in my book is the cognitive empathy, the the ability to understand another's point of view. And like you said, even though you might not have experienced yourself, you're able to read people's moods, take an active interest in people's concerns and see their point of view, even if it's different from your own. And the key thing in a service environment is that rather than be sympathetic in a situation, the empathy that we ask staff to dial up particularly if it's cognitive empathy, is to take action. So do something about it (laughs) and purely attention out all about serving that other person. Even if, as you've said, you might not have experienced yourself or your views might be different, but you know in this situation that person needs you to show up in a certain way. And I, I think a great question I always ask, if I'm a customer and I feel that there's a very lack, like a real lack of empathy coming from me at at another sort of from the employee's point of view, I'll always just ask three simple words. Have you ever? Wow. Do you actually do that? Yeah, I do. My girlfriends and my family and my partner, they all cringe. But you know what? That's proactive. just, Just have you ever. And don't even get me started on where I feel customers are part of the problem here because I think that we don't do enough to sort of in that moment make a point call it out or ask to speak to a manager if it needs escalating. And if we're part of the problem, then I think we can be part of a solution. So, yeah, you know. And, and, and I think we probably as a society, 
put up with it, put up with it. And when we do say something, we do it because we're angry. And then we give whoever it is who's feeling our anger the right to just ignore it and brush it off because we're being unreasonable and irrational. So it's so much smarter to intervene in a in a calm, rational way and just ask something like, like you did. That's brilliant. Have you ever? Nice. Rather than nice. waiting to you get like really furious and start <laughs> yelling across the counter, which I never do, of course, but no. I've seen it happen. Ah. All right. Now, I've interrupted a, a boatload there. I promise I won't interrupt so much for the next five. No, that's so fine. Empathy, top so- of the list, and there's there's no coincidence that it's top of the list I'm imagining. No, it, we always start with empathy. That's number, number one. one. Absolutely. Right. Number two, which is my equal favourite to empathy, is questions. I think the most easiest way to approach service in any business is to think really carefully about the quality of your questions when asking customers anything at all. So my first tip would be questions that actually lead to a conversation and that they show that you're genuinely interested in them. So first of all, no closed questions, unless, you know, you're trying to tell someone to, can you use a fire extinguisher because it's in a situation of like life or death or death or something like that. But good open questions, who, what, when, why, where, how, that actually lead the customer to give you more information than yes or no. And they feel like you're interested and they give you information that can guide the conversation in a way that you might not have assumed it was going to go. So Mm. I think questions can absolutely unlock service and I think we can all ask better quality questions if we really just think hard about what information we're trying to find out here, what are we trying to gather. So replace sequence of service, replace steps of service, replace all that stuff with just good questions. Do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work? Contact Team Guru today so we can start the conversation. People become slaves to a process too easily, don't we? Yeah. We're conditioned to to, yeah. to be so efficient. We apply logic and systems and yeah. processes. We we don't need to be so overly complicated and logical with service. We can just think of some great questions and you're off and running. And large organizations in, in the quest for efficiency and not making mistakes put in processes and the the unintended result of that is employees who turn off their brain and follow a process rather than just do what you said and ask good, penetrating, honest, yep. caring, interested questions. Yeah, you spot on the curse of efficiency. When that comes, curiosity dies and then we stop yeah. asking questions. And I'm guessing when we ask questions, we should listen to the answer too. Yeah, that that'd help. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Covey's fifth habit of highly effective people, seek first to understand and then be understood. He makes a really good point in that book. We've all worked really hard on our ability to communicate, to read and write and speak, but how often or how much time have we put into learning to be good listeners? Most of us, when we listen, we're waiting for what our chance to talk and we're planning what we're going to say next. So that's a really bad habit for all of us, especially if we're in a customer service situation where we want the customer to think, to know that we actually care. It's about just clearing your mind and listening deeply to what that person is telling you and what their body language is telling you and the words that they're using and the emotion of their voice. That's what real customer service is about. Yeah, spot on. Well said. You know, listen to understand, not listen to contribute. 
Yeah, great. Mm. All right. I, I, I'm, okay. I continue to interest. I told no, you I was interested in this, Jackie. Okay, I, I can't no. hold myself we could back talk when I'm that. super interested in. <laughs> we All could right, talk so that's number hours. two. Empathy is number one. Asking great questions and actually listening and caring is number two. Yeah. Number three. Energy. Service is an exchange of energy. This mindset mm. is the more and more I, I think about it deeply and talk about it, I, I really believe that if we can think about ourselves as a ball of energy, you know that beautiful quote, you know, your energy introduces you before you speak when you walk into a room. So when employees mirror the behaviors of customers, this is magic because what they're doing is they're actually reading the energy of the customer. They're adjusting their cadence and their care. So the way an employee might speak to me, you know, professional woman that's on the run and she's busy and she knows what she wants versus a little old lady who's five foot one, hard of hearing in her 80s would be different. But both of us would experience great service because the employee adjusted their energy yeah, to right. to give us relevant service in that moment. And this is, right. yeah, this is, it. I like to think of it like, David, the, the zing that you get when you plug in the, the power into an appliance, that charge that you get. This is what yeah. happens between two humans and it's all about energy. So match your customer's energy. You've got someone high energy, in a hurry, know what they want, they're on the move. That's how you give your service, on the move. Because there's nothing worse when you're in a hurry, on the move, you know what you want, yeah. than someone's slowing you down like that scene. I, I'm not sure if you've seen the scene where the sloth is working at the uh, at the driver's center in some movie that my kids made me watch. And I can't remember the name of the movie, terrible example. But there's nothing worse than when you're in a hurry being slowed down by a sloth. And equally, there's nothing worse than when you want to take your time over something and ponder and ask questions, being rushed along by someone giving you service who is, who is feeling in a hurry. I love that. Again, so beautiful and simple. Match the energy of your customer. Absolutely. Good. So the fourth mindset is all about heart. So this is leading more with your heart and not with your head. And we've talked about a little bit already in terms of you know, getting out of your own way and just showing up. But again, if we think about that service is human, the heart of service is human. And this is the essence of customer connection. So we want employees to meet us where we're at. If we don't want a fake greeting and we don't want fake small talk because we've got a sad face, then don't come up to us with a beaming, hi, how are you today? Mm, when you can clearly yeah. see that there's something not right and I need you yeah. to see me and meet me where I'm at right now. This is the yeah. this talks back to those sort of human qualities that we spoke about earlier, David. You know, like bring heart to the situation, the conversation, and really be authentic with your communication and, and be less transactional with have a nice day when it's eight o'clock at night and just say, enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the rest of your night. Or, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, you see it all the time. Mindless <laughs> have a comments. nice day. <laughs> You know, you, you, I bet as people are listening to this, they're thinking not just of the bad interactions they have, but they will have thought of those really outstanding interactions they've had. I just thought of one then where someone, you know, matched my heart. They matched my my enthusiasm, the energy I had, and they, they kind of tapped into how I was feeling, whether it was sad or, oh, I'm not feeling sad, whether it was just quiet and, and sullen or really energetic and fast-paced. Those interactions that you have are really very memorable, and you've just made me realize why some of those interactions were memorable. It was because they matched me in those two really important ways. 
And the other thing that I think a lot of staff forget is that when you give, you get so much more. And Mm. I think appreciating that service can be actually a joy and see it less as a job. Mm. So, you know, I know for me, my work gives me opportunities to learn from others. Meeting customers is an opportunity to create further connections. Without them, there's no work, there's no opportunity. You know, when I leave here today, I'll be a customer seeking what they're seeking. So I think just turning it around and treating people like you want to be treated, bringing some heart to a situation and, you know, to my point earlier, not treating customers as separate, as a thing, Mm. but just, you know, enjoy giving and and, and serving. Yeah. All right. Number one was empathy. Two was questions. Three is energy. Four is heart. We're up to number five. Five is purpose. So every company has a greater purpose than just making money. You know, I use an example in the book that it's more than selling fridge magnets. It's a company in an airport that, you know, sells a lot of fridge magnets. And they say that, you know, our purpose is to leave a positive and memorable feeling with every customer that comes into our store. So if you're listening to this and you're a small business, a large business, or a leader of a department, and you're not clear on what is our purpose, what is the meaning that we attach to coming here eight hours a day and showing up and doing work? If you're not clear of that, then get clear because this is how staff can really connect to something much bigger than just themselves and a paycheck. And that meaning, it translates through to the customer. That energy gets transferred to the customer. So having clarity about what your purpose is, I offer some tips on how you could even even start that journey and how you might even want to think about thinking about purpose. But more importantly, communicating that to all of your staff and making them feel like they are truly contributing to something far greater than just selling fridge magnets, for example. Yeah. That's a really important, powerful point. We we often talk about that in the podcast. I've had a few episodes on just that concept of purpose on itself. It is so important that, you know, and that's a great example. We don't sell fridge magnets. We sell memories and connections. Yeah. And that's such an important thing to help your staff understand that they're, they're involved in something so much greater than than exchanging $4 for a thing that sticks to your fridge. They're involved in creating a memory for someone. And it has to be true and authentic. It can't be a fabricated fictional purpose, but to find that deeper purpose is just so important. Beautiful. Hey, by the way, I've remembered that the name of that movie. It's called oh, yeah. Zootopia. Great. So, because a lot of people would have been wondering, what is he talking about? Zootopia. There's a great scene where this guy's in a real hurry. He's a detective. He's a he's a bunny, and or she, and she goes. She's got to go into the DMV to get a license plate, and she comes across a sloth who moves like a sloth. It's a painfully hilarious scene, and you just reminded me of that when we talked about matching energy. You should use that clip from, your, like from that it. movie. Yeah, use yeah. that clip. Zootopia, Zootopia. look it up. It's, it's, it's amazing. If Nothing I've ever seen in my life demonstrates that non-matching of energy with someone providing a service than that I've scene I've made right a there. note. Thank you. Zootopia. <laughs> yeah. Don't you have kids, Jackie? Haven't you seen Zootopia? No, no but I, I do love kids' movies. Moama's yeah, my favourite at the moment. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, Zootopia is actually not a bad one to watch. It's pretty good. Okay. All right, now we are up to the very last one, number yeah. six. And this is something practice is the mindset for number six, practice, and, and it is, again, something I'm deeply passionate about because I believe like anything in life, if you if you really want to continually improve 
what you're doing. We can all just repeat and, and show up and do the same things every day, but taking deliberate practice and looking at something, tweaking and adjusting it and always trying to be a little bit better is is a great way to live a life of learning. And in the context of customer service, I think the mistakes that a lot of organizations make is that they treat customer service as a project. But I say, well, actually, no, it's a practice because it's something that requires daily focus. And we're only as good as our last, you know, our last performance, right? Like I think of my days at the Australian Open when I got to witness some amazing superheroes like Roger Federer win Grand Slams. And a particular year, he'd just finished winning the, um, you know, he took the title yet again after an epic four-hour match. And the very next day, he was back on the courts practicing. Practicing. Absolutely, yeah. it just, it to me, it was that message of, you know, you don't want to be complacent about what it takes to be a winner. And if we sort of go to where we began this conversation, we talked about how the world is constantly evolving and changing. And we can only be as good as our last performance. If we get complacent, we will fall behind. That's a really good comparison, you know, that, that comparison of someone like Fedra. You don't see Fedra hang up his practice shoes and say, hey, I'm Roger Fedra. I don't need to practice anymore. Just like you don't ever see someone hand in their gym membership and say, I'm fit now. Thank you. Don't need to come back. What you're telling us is customer service is not a project. It's an ongoing thing like fitness or, Every day. or being good at something. Yeah. Right. And we and we all know that when we practice, we fail and we learn and we get back up again and we keep going. And that's part of it, you know. So be light with it. There's a beautiful metaphor. Hold hold on tight with an open hand, you know, an open hold on tight with an open palm. You know, try and improve it, but be light with it because stuff will, you know, won't land, stuff might not work with the employees, but just keep at it and keep practicing because you will shift the dial over time. That's a great way to finish it. Practice just like any other skill. Practice customer service. Make it an ongoing pursuit. Jackie Shamel, I have really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, David. I hope everyone's taken something from today. And that was Jackie Shamel. I enjoyed talking about customer service, how it was in the old days, and some of the quirks we experience now as the economy and society in general take a giant step with technology. But most importantly, it was nice to think about the future. How will our experience as customers change over the next little while? And where will the place of humans fit? Jackie's six mindsets for customer service are simple, helpful, and spot on. Empathy, questions, energy, heart, purpose, and practice. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Jackie on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website, that's teams with an S dot guru slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now. Bye.